we are all right yes we we did it we sure did <laughs> we made it to another live right here on facebook hi i'm moya and i'm georgia her comical sidekick <laughs> and it's time for another exciting thrilling and fantastical episode of how betty davis saved my life life lessons from classic hollywood and we have just a doozy for you. And I know that we promoted uh, Cocoon. For those of you who are on Facebook, um, that was the promotion there. And for those of you who listen to us on our audio podcast, shout out to all of our audio listeners. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you all who are on our YouTube page. So let's all let's get together right here on Facebook and have this live party, guys. So every other Saturday, 1 p.m. Central Time. But yes, Cocoon was advertised. But who knew? It's nowhere to be found online, streaming anywhere, Georgia. And so I had to hurry up and scramble Georgia night and, and say, Georgia, guess what? I can't find it anywhere. And Georgia's like, what? So I just want to share with you, if I may, um, just really, really, really quickly, um, really quickly, okay, really quickly. Um, something I saw in the research as to why. So shout out to this channel, Joe Blow Originals, um, on YouTube. Go and take a look at this channel because it's really fascinating about um what happened. So of course, there's legalities. The studio who uh made the produ produced that I guess owns it. Let me just say that. Um. They won't release it online. Go check out Joe Blow Originals on YouTube to see why. But it's very fascinating and why, like he says, or she said, I think it's a guy, why you should always keep your Blu-rays and DVDs. Georgia, do you have, I don't own any, I don't, not movies and stuff, but do you have a library or any DVDs or anything? Yeah, I sure do. Okay, what do you have? Too bad you ain't had Cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have Cocoon. Oh, gosh. I've got some old stuff. Uh, I've got a, just a mix of, of stuff that I picked up from garage sales and dollar stores. Oh, that's <laughs> good. That's where you find everything. That is Yeah, really, it's, really it's, it's everything. It's romance, action, comedy, oh, everything you can think of. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's why we had to scramble and... We're going to do two. So these movies were further down the list, but they got bumped up. Um, and some those of you who are excellent, excellent all the time uh, followers and listeners. And again, shout out to the Facebook Live crew and all our groups that we're a part of. Thank you all for supporting us and listening to us. Um, so we had to change everything on, on our page. And so those of you who know that, um, so now we had to bump up. Up, Uptown Saturday Night and Silver Street because we were supposed to have been done, um, been done, 
I don't I don't know if that's right, but we were supposed to have done <laughs> Uptown Saturday night, you know, months ago, but that got bumped because of I can't remember why we bumped it. But anyway, we are here now and Georgia is a Uptown Saturday night virgin, if you will. So I cannot wait to see and hear what she has to say about this movie. I I am with bated breath because I've seen it like a million times. <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, and I absolutely love this movie so much. So, Georgia, without further ado, go ahead on and get us started on Uptown Saturday Night. All right. Well, this was a fun movie, and I felt like I was making a trip into Black World here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As you should. (laughs) Well, I was watching. These are black folks doing black things and black ones. I love it. And they are funny, and they're not thinking about white folks at all. (laughs) That's That's my. That's my. Like, as a white woman watching this movie, that's what my take is. (laughs) And so, I thought. You folks have a lot more fun than we do. (laughs) 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 Y'all, this is not scripted. George and I did not talk about this movie. No, Um, we didn't. No, so this is totally her. (laughs) This is totally me. And and so I have to say, yeah, we really did dress and talk like that in the 70s. I know because I was there. So, yes, this is accurate uh, depiction of how people talk and dress. And let's hope. All these styles never come back again. But anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and and set you up with this movie. Um, So you have, in a way, this is a buddy picture because you've got Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier, who also directed. And they are two working class guys. Yeah, Sidney directed. Mm -hmm. And they make, it's kind of funny. They kind of sneak out one night and while their wives are asleep. And they make their one and only visit to this fancy black after hours club called Madame Zenobia's. Yes, yes. Things are really happening. So, oh so, my God. So look, Georgia, I'm going to go ahead on and play some of it. Hopefully we don't get too copyright struck. I, I think this is free in the uh, public domain. But let's let's just start there because Norman, I don't know if you're listening, but I hope when he sees this or hears this, Norman, you missed a fashion show like no other. Because <laughs> I, I haven't seen it in forever, Georgia, maybe about maybe about 10, 15 years. And girl, the fashion, I was just like, oh, Lord, why didn't black people just stop in the 70s? Like, let black culture just stop there. Because we had it all. <laughs> just had the music, the style, the unity and community. I mean, girl, so let's just take a look real quick at Sydney and uh so Sydney is it's Steven Jackson and um he's Steven and and Bill Cosby girl first of all shout out to Bill Cosby with the butter with the wide collar and the piping I love this you could I've seen dudes uh now wear this this type of suit so this is this is on trend this is this is a, a trendy so you could wear this now and nobody wouldn't even blink but let's see, Wardell. So this is Wardell, and this is Steve, Stephen or Steve. So they they're at Madden Zenobia's, a, a questionable place 
if you will, perhaps a house of ill repute. But let's take a look. Okay, stop. As soon as you walk, girl, look as soon as you walk in the door. Give me this suit. I need this suit and hat. I need this white, this ensemble here. I need this. And I need that. What, what, so what do you Ooh. want, Georgia? What do you want? Well, let's go shopping. What do you want? I like the one that's got the beautiful glittery rhinestones on it. Ooh, Absolutely I love that. Be- Look at her with the one shoulder out, okay? Yeah. Sashaying down this uh very long staircase. Well, okay, so let's go. And listen to the music. Because uh, my husband came and he said, oh, man. He said, who, uh, who grinding that organ? <laughs> Cause they're killing. Look at this dude's suit, girl. Now, if you're if you're a dude and you're brave enough, you could wear this now. Cause Drake, oh, yeah. Drake three thousand from Outkast, he kind of helped bring this seventies and funky aesthetic back in uh, Outkast heyday. But let's go. <laughs> For those anybody who looked at good seventies TVs and movie, she was in a number of uh, movies, not just black movies and all white movies, but she was in everything. She's beautiful. She has, she's that she got that gap tooth, and for whatever reason, like her and Lauren Hutton model, the gap tooth woman was in. But uh, watch out! And I had this dress, girl, when I had a different. I had this figure too, and that was a million years ago. But look at her. So this is Madden Zenobia. I heard about you, Daniel. Yes, I <laughs> Look at the lady with the turban. Girl, I'm, girl we, this, this is going to take us an hour just getting through the fashion at Madden's and Obias. <laughs> so there's Bill's full suit. It's really cool. And look at her coming with this. This is so modern. Like, you could wear all this. <laughs> so let, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So... Madam Zenobia uh, 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 invites them to go through the, to the red door, the red door where all your dreams come through, come true. And you ain't seen nothing yet. It's my, and shout out to the N.O., my hometown. We just had Mardi Gras carnival season uh, early this week, Fat Tuesday. And they having Mardi Gras. <laughs> it's like classy Bourbon Street up in here. So check it out. Step. Oh, okay. We we ain't looking at that. Let's uh stop sharing that, and then we'll uh into Wix Studio. The web- and then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's put it back. And uh, look, I had that great build up, and people are like, come on, let's go to Mardi Gras. <laughs> All right, so here they go. <laughs> What you think going on back there? I don't know. Hocus, maybe. All right, Georgia, what do you think of that music? Oh, I thought it was just so quintessentially 70s because yes. that's how it was. That's it how was it that. Was. Kind of syncopated jazz with the horn in there. Yeah, funk. The, oh yeah. Pure funk. Now were you a funketeer? Did you like what kind of music did you like in the 70s? Let me ask you that. 
oh gosh, anything that they played on the radio in the 70s, I was into. Mm-hmm. I listened to everything. I went to nightclubs. I was, you know, disco. I was, was going to say, were you a disco oh, queen? God. Oh, God, yes, I went to the disco. <laughs> oh, yeah. I believe you. I bet you were a killer. I know you were a killer dancer. I totally see. The hustle, see the bump. Oh yeah. man, I, I can get... see you. Oh, oh yeah, I can see you. So speaking of the hustle and the bump, girl, this girl, her body doing that, all those dances in one move. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> work. You better work. You better work. You better work. <laughs> Okay, let's stop it right there. Girl, this woman's hair, this wig. She is Marie Antoinette, okay? Uh, Bill Cosby's character gets involved in a dice game, and I mean, he and this he decides to team up with this woman, and she cannot lose. I mean, <laughs> she is just pure magic, and they're winning and winning, and uh oh, and of course, <laughs> the fun. Oh my gosh, it comes to an abrupt halt because so- <laughs> we have we have these got these mass men come in and they hold everybody up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so shout out to Dave Chappelle, the dice game with grits and gravy and uh, <laughs> with Eddie Griffin and uh, Ashley Larry. Cause right on cue dice game gets robbed. Shout out to the, shout out to the Chappelle show back in the day, man. It was so funny. My husband and I were looking at this and we was cracking up laughing saying, oh man, it's, it's right on cue to the dice game. Getting robbed. Uh, R.I.P. to uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's brothers. Uh, Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy! I freeze! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at those guys' hats. Everybody makes a wrong move? Get put full of hope! We mean business! Do what you're told and you won't get hurt. Okay, so <clears throat> needless to say, it gets robbed, and Marie Antoinette managed to keep her head and her wig. But so it gets <laughs> it gets robbed, and so Georgia fast forward us to uh, what's what's the issue of this this joint getting robbed? Well, it, they tell everybody, well, you got to take off your clothes, you know, they can keep their underwear. But anyway, um, so unfortunately, one of our guys here. Um, Sidney Poitier, they take his wallet. And it is not until he gets home later on that he finds out that his wallet contained a lottery ticket that was a winning one. And it the numbers he played were winning, and he's about to get $50,000. And I did the research. Back then, $50,000 was huge. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that $50,000 in today's money is $332,000. Wow. And so, yes, $332,000. 
which means so much to him yes. and his wife. Yes. And so he will do anything to get that ticket back. And that's what makes this movie so fun because the two of them decide they're going to go together and they're going to try everything they can. And these two guys are so ill-equipped. I mean, they are so <laughs> innocent. They're not street smart. Right. And what do they do? Yes. They, they decide to take off and try and find these these gangsters and go and <laughs> go into the underworld and yes. try and recover their wallet and that's the whole premise of the movie from this point on and so you see the one and only flip wilson kind of reprising his role as a uh, reverend reverend go change or reverend get right i can't remember from the from the just the classic flip wilson tv show and uh he is hilarious in here Rosalind Cash, uh, I'll show her in a second. She, the late, uh, unfortunately, all these people are gone. I think this Bill is with us. Uh, yeah, I just think Cosby is still with us. Man, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah Rosalind Cash, uh, she plays, um, she plays his wife, and I, and Rosalind Cash again, great beauty. I'll show her. She was in everything. Her career really was into the 2000s. I think she just recently died too. Um, but yeah, oh. so she here she is. So let's this is her singing um in the choir. So yeah, she plays um Sydney Poitier, Steve's wife, and also uh Ketty Lester, she was a minor celebrity in her time. Um she plays Wardell or Bill Cosby's uh wife so just who's who in 70s back then 70s and then like some of career had longer careers 70s stars major and minor so they had they made sure so sydney and bill made sure that they tried to get as many black uh actors and actresses and entertainers in this movie georgia do you have any trivia about that um not exactly but i just think that this movie may have been pivotal in giving black actors scripts that were not black exploitation type films. I think that they saw how this movie could, didn't need to rely on that. I mean, they're given like major serious and comedic roles yes. and the range of talent. Yes. And I think this movie was a jumping off point because they saw how successful it was. That's what spawned these other two related movies. Yes. They, afterwards. Yes. They were the sequels, uh, uh um, Piece of piece of the action. Let's do it again. I don't know if I have them in the right order, but yeah. And they but they did not play the same characters, but it was still these two paired up, and each movie was you know more successful than the last. Um, and uh, so you are absolutely right. So I'm gonna fast forward to what Georgia was talking about after they have failed tremendously on their own to try to relocate <laughs> this stolen wallet with the ticket default ticket in there. Uh, they say, hey, let's hire a. <laughs> a private investigator, and let's just take it from here. Washington? Mr. Washington? What do you want? <laughs> We're looking for shop by Washington. Girl, when I saw this back, girl, I split a gut laughing with... Prior and then Bill Cosby's reaction. I know the face. <laughs> <laughs> he puts up his dude 
Dukes. Look at that. Right, right. You got that knuckle. knuckle. Got the, the fist go up. <laughs> yeah, that one knuckle. Girl, I laughed so hard. So here's Richard Pryor's. Uh, I, was this his debut? Film debut? I don't. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, Moya. Ooh, I want if it's not his debut, it's his like very early on film work. Cause he's even fatter. Cause Richard Richard Pryor, if you know, like when he first started staying, he was so skinny, probably because he was hungry trying to eat. And you can see he's fatter uh, on on here. But he had not become the film star that we he would later become in the seventies and. Uh, when he did latest things, the blues and which way is up, and and uh, then we'll see his later movies, um, as well when t- paired up with Gene Wilder later on. But anyway, so here it is, sharp eye watch the girl. He's this man, R.I.P. Just all, that's just one of the best comedians ever and comedic actors. Who looking for him? <laughs> Steve Jackson, and this is my friend Wardell Franklin. We want him for a job. What kind of job? Well, some property ours was stolen. We want him to get it back for us. Cost you five hundred dollars. Five hundred? Oh, we ain't got that kind of money. Four hundred dollars? <laughs> so, needless to say, Mr. Washington is uh, not on par with the truth <laughs> and misrepresents himself in a number of ways. So I'm gonna so go and this is we saw this free on YouTube. So please go and take a look at it um, for yourself. And let us know what you think. So, so they negotiate him down to fifty bucks, and then what this, does it take? This to... happens, and so uh, we'll take a look at it after this goes off. But um, it that was so funny. Oh my gosh. Let's uh, let's go back to our movie. Let me uh, back it up a little bit because um. Just he so Richard just has a little cameo in here, and it's just the comedic and, and hit Richard. They would do things just in one take a lot of time, and they would do it off the cuff. A lot of times their stuff was not scripted. They were just that talented. So let's take a look at uh him getting what happens with Mr. Sharp Eye Washington. <laughs> tickets to the policeman's ball. <laughs> Your con days are over, Washington. Huh? <laughs> he, he, he stole our money. He stole a lot of people's money, fella. We've been on your trail a long time, Washington. I was framed. You said that in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa, where you were Cleophus Washington, a preacher. You escaped from custody. You said that in Jersey City, where you were Henry Hawthorne Washington, a bogus lawyer. You jumped bail. Your clients are still waiting for you to handle their cases. Looky, that's my cousin, Clarence Washington. That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> Damn, man, we trusted you. I mean, why us? Why not you, brother? <laughs> Take him out. <laughs> Girl, me and Warren still say that to this day. Why not you, bro? Why not you? <laughs> why not you, brother? Forget all that unity stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So gonna try to fast forward it uh a little ahead so through a series of misadventures and this is a hilarious scene with this crooked politician this <laughs> girl 
this was so funny. I, I mean, we're running out of time. But let me just show you, this dude was so two-faced. And he was totally represented how politicians are because <laughs> on his wall, behind him, he got Malcolm X. He could, look, look what he did. So I'm going to just show you this. Look what this dude is doing. And this is politics down pat. Oh, yeah. The dude's word is dashiki. <laughs> A duck shake. So when he finds out what color <laughs> the people coming in to meet with him, it, 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 ain't nothing changed, huh, George? Ain't a doggone thing changed, right? Except the, except the clothes. That scene right there says so much, Moya. It's, you nailed it. It says it all. And then at least he put his dashiki on correctly. As we just found out, sometimes uh, it's okay to wear your dress backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Georgia, do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just sidebar, Georgia. I'm not going to make it through 2024. If this is what 2024 is going to be like, I can't make, I'm not going to make it. I'm just not. But oh, know. I know. We've got so much ahead of us. It, it's too <laughs> much. But at least his dashiki is not on backwards. So let's, let's move on. So, so this, so they try to get help from this guy and to come to find out, uh, He's saying, oh, I don't know about Madden Zenobia's. Oh, that place is bad. And in walks his wife. And if you should recognize her, because this is Leggy Peggy, who was hitting his bones. Leggy Peggy. Sorry, I didn't realize you were at a conference. Brother man, what's happening? Peggy Lady. No, no, no. Around here, folks call me Mrs. Lincoln. You know, <laughs> hypocrite. So his wife, and look, I won't give away too much. Just go and look at it. I, it was so funny. So, you know, we didn't show all of it during the, uh, when it was Zenobi. But yeah, she was the one like Georgia saying, hitting them bones and getting uh, Bill Cosby getting paid, man. So, and he, so uh, Roscoe Lee Brown, late, the late great Roscoe Lee Brown, and y'all would know him a lot from his voiceovers as well. Um, he would he would do the milk commercials. Ah, the power of was it milk or cheese, something like that. But he, you know, he he was like I said, this is the who's who of seventies, um, black entertainment legends. Um, so anyway, we're gonna move on down the road. Yeah, y'all, we would be here all day. This scene is hilarious. It's. <laughs> Let me just show a little bit. So they're trying to, again, on their own, trying to find this ticket. And let's just say they was, what, skirting death? George? Oh, getting yeah. real ugly. You sure this the place? Yes, I'm sure. Now, look, all we got to do is go on inside, see this cat, Lil' Seymour, and ask him about our property. Now, come on. <laughs> Go on anyway, girl. What, what? 
you you what did you say that was fifty k worth three hundred? It's like triple what what triple that or something, girl? Heck yeah, I'll win now. Sure. More than six times. More than six times. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's why these fools go where angels fear to tread. Yeah, exactly. So they go in here. This this almost like a, a Star Wars bar scene it is hilarious. They get their behinds handed to them, but please look at that because Harold Nicholas from, I believe that's Harold Nicholas from the uh, Harold, the Nicholas Brothers, the fan right here, the fantastic dancing trio uh, back in the day. And I think this was the one who was married to um, Dorothy Dandridge. If I'm, in, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But as Lil Seymour. And all of this leads them to <laughs> this guy. And uh, Georgia, did you recognize this person? I mean, I, I no, guess you already knew. I had, no, I did not recognize him. If I had not known that that was Harry Belafonte, I would not have known. Right. And But it's kind of, it's funny the way he does this takeoff on the Godfather. Yes. But no, I, he's totally unrecognizable. He is, he is. And so uh, so he's one of the villains in the in the movie. And he is, he he killed it. I remember those Vicks Baker Rice. I love sniffing them things. Now, why you won't? Well, sir, um, seems like it's some property of mine was stolen, and and I need some help. So, what you coming to me for? So we'll, we'll move it along. He, this is how he meets Geechee Dan. Shout out to the Geechees. Was that in the Carolinas? I think South Carolina. This is Geechee, Geechee Dan Buford, played by Harry Belafonte. So uh, this, they hook up with this gangster, and that leads them to another gangster. And I'm, yes, I am leaving some some stuff out because I want you to look at his just girl. Look at these fashions. So each each outfit is wilder than the next. So. This leads them to this other gangster, played by the late great. Hi, Mark uh, Barton at Sandy Hook Promise here. The late great uh, Calvin Lockhart, and um, and we'll take a look at that in just a second. I just wanted to insert though that I was really particularly fascinated seeing um, Harold Nicholas playing Little Seymour because. Like Moya mentioned, along with his brother, uh, Fayhard Nicholas, mm -hmm. they were considered by their dancers to be like the world's best dancers ever. Yes. And so when I saw him and how athletic he appeared to be, that was a real treat for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it gave him a shout out too. like I said, they did a beautiful job with this cast. And it, and it wasn't because this is at the height uh, of the black exploitation. And you can see that Sydney did not want to do that. But he still kept the soul of the um of the movie. It still had a lot of soul and and black culture, what it was at that time, and so he did a really really good job on that. So here's the second set of gangsters that Geechee Dan is beefing with when they all meet. And so I left out a lot. Go back and look at it. Look at this fashion, man. The men, you had the men and women. You had the men were dressed to kill, right, Georgia? Oh yeah. Look at the hats. Whoa. When hats were still a thing. 
This is Lincoln Kilpatrick. He's been in everything in the 70s and the 80s. Might have been in the 90s too, but he was in, in a lot of stuff. And here's the one and only Calvin Lockhart. Shout out to Ashley Say So. I'm going to tell you something in a second about him. Girl, he was so good looking. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And look what he had on. Look at the men. So let's look at the men's fashion. How he had this huge gold like i guess plate medallion a little tunic vest with the puff sleeve but he doesn't look ridiculous and he, mm -hmm. he has a hey girl does he have on a merce <laughs> looks like yeah. he has a bag all i right. think he does all right silk and slim i see you um but all the men just just the fashion in here you can just i can just go on and on and on but calvin lockhart so check out ashley says so her YouTube channel, shout out to her. She's a really good piece. Ashley says so. She has a great channel about what happened with Lockhart's career because he was poised to be the next big black, I guess if you will, um, movie star. They was calling him like the Black Steve McQueen. And uh, go check her out, her channel and see what happened to him. But a little trivia, he played the dad of the first princess in Coming to America, the one uh, who the, uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway she played, that Eddie Murphy told her to jump up and down and bark like a dog on one foot. He played her dad in that. So just a little trivia about that. So these are greats. These are, and I hate to say black actor or black Hollywood, but just for reference and context, these are were the top tier stars of that time. So we're going to fast forward. So they meet. So Georgia, what happens at this point? Um, at this point, they make a, they try to broker a deal with uh, Geechee Dan and say, let's go in together and see if we can get this. They're convinced that they've got this huge, big find and that only um, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier knows where it is. And so, yeah, there's going to be like a big there's a big shootout and everything. Yeah, there is. But then they decide to partner together. And so then we move on to the, oh, I love this picnic. Oh, oh my, my gosh. goodness, girl. Let's oh. look at the food. I was drooling looking at this doggone food. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So this is a church picnic, guys. This is where the gangsters decide to, to have a neutral spot. Ain't nothing changed, huh? You can't even have a picnic. And as we saw, yeah, uh, apparently you can't even have a Super Bowl parade, but I'll move on. <clears throat> you uh, So this is where they have try to have their neutral exchange of you at the doggone church picnic. So this is where we are right here. Look at this food. Ooh, girl, you got, they got the whole hog there, don't they? Big the soda cans and stuff. Like now look at this soda. soda. The reverend told him don't be bringing no bottles. <laughs> look at this. Girl, Georgia, the man and brought the joy juice. <laughs> the reverend specifically told him do not do that. He told all the people don't bring bottles <laughs> to the church picnic. I remember our church picnic um, back home. <clears throat> they were one and done. I made a pig out of myself. I had so much fun. I was filthy when I came. I was a little girl. Georgia, y'all ever had anything like this? 
Uh, yeah, we did, but oh my gosh, not on, the food was nothing near that good. <laughs> I'm going to stop it right here because this is where the climax of everything starts. And so go check it out. Uptown Saturday Night, 1974. Black folks, culture, and fashion and music at its finest, at its heights. So Georgia, let's stay in the 70s. We're going to Go up two more years. What is our next movie? We've got Silver Street. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Maybe yes. two years later. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about Silver Streak, starring none other than, <clears throat> excuse me, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, who was hadn't totally bl blown up as, um, as a star he was going to be, but he, yeah, he, he was just getting into it. So, yes, Georgia, tell us about Silver Streak. Well, uh, I'm going to try to explain the plot to you a little bit. Um, so you have uh, an everyman character, uh, Gene Wilder, and he boards the Silver Streak. And Which is a train. And it's a train that's yeah. traveling from L.A. to Chicago. And he's a book editor. He's expecting a boring train ride, right? Like that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets into this like very steamy liaison and there's all these double entendres going on before that. And they're getting cozy. And all of a sudden he sees this uh, dead body hanging from the train and, he, and which falls off and nobody believes him about what he thought he saw. And that's very and Hitchcockian, so right? Bad throwback to Hitchcock. Oh, very, very much. And uh, when he goes to check on whether the dead guy is, is still on the train or not, well, then the bad guys, well, <laughs> then the bad guys get interested in him and go, oh, he knows too much. <laughs> and, so, and so this is where the running gag starts. Okay, so it, yes, he's being, of course, he, the innocent Gene Walder is now suspected of being a murderer. And he keeps getting thrown off the train, and it's a running gag. <laughs> he's, and what he says, his reaction is like mine would be, "Hi." <laughs> but anyway, but this all builds, and it gets very, very exciting. And of course, about uh, too late in the movie, a lot of people say, but then Richard Pryor makes his entrance to the movie. But mm -hmm. I want to say a couple of things about Richard Pryor. Um, because I think that Richard Pryor, as an actor and a comedian, had a very complex personality. Yes. You know, he could be very edgy and profane and angry and sympathetic and sweet all at the same time. Yes. yes. And, you know, we were talking about Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. And although Eddie Murphy had a more successful film career, he didn't, for me, he doesn't project the same combination of attitude and vulnerability that Richard Pryor does. Yeah. And so it, it, the director trusted Richard Pryor to let him project his own personality yes. because he comes across as this very smart, sharp, funny, clever, nobody's fool. But right. unlike Eddie Murphy, it, who normally has the screen all to himself, Pryor works so well with Wilder yes. instead of trying to, to shove him into the background. And so this, be, unlike the last movie, Silver Streak became really the start of, of these great buddy movies yes. that they did. And, yes. and so I really think that there's a scene for me that's really very kind of touching, kind of sweet. Um, there's, there's a scene where 
Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder have to leave each other. Mm-hmm. Watch how, I'm going to ask everybody, when you see this movie, watch how Pryor shows his obvious affection and friendship for Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Because there's a gentleness in Richard Pryor's delivery of his lines that gives yeah. some added depth to his character. Yeah, he's a fast-talking thief, but one the audience has sympathized with because right. it shows the depth of his acting talent. So this yes. is that's what I wanted to tell y'all about Richard Pryor to be watching for with this guy. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, the sto- the, sh- sh- uh, the movie co-stars uh, Jill. And all these people are dead. Uh, Jill Claiborne, um, Patrick McGowan as the villain. I mean, like most of these people are dead. I think like almost everybody in this movie is dead. Oh, gosh. Um, and like Georgia said, you know, I, I, I can see like some people, oh, you know, you advertise Richard Pryor and he's not in it. But that's not true. He if you the movie is well paced as well, because it's really a throwback. If you like a, a Hitchcockian type, it, it, it is. It has so it has Hitchcock action um, bond, almost like James Bond. It, it was and, and to see Wilder, who people previously knew from Willy Wonka. I don't think he had, you know, he hadn't done a. Frankenstein, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, the Frankenstein movie yet. Young Frankenstein. Yeah, Young Frankenstein. So we knew him from because we our first our first Gene Wilder movie was Blazing Saddles with um with uh Cleavon Little. And so uh, and it's funny, uh, you know, I didn't even think about it. So this is the second movie did with a black man, <laughs> with a comedic black man, if you will. And it worked really well. Um, so <clears throat> you know. His career took off and Richards took off. And so the next movie they did, where, where it was more prior, girl, we got to do Stir Crazy. This movie was yeah. more, yes, this Silver Streak is more action and, and suspense and, um you know, thrill. Stir Crazy is just pure comedy. Have you seen Stir Crazy? I might have a long time ago. When they're in jail, they have to go to, they go to jail, go to prison, they go to prison. Oh, okay. So I can't funny. remember it too good. Okay, well, we're going to put that on a list. <clears throat> but um, so what's the plot real quick, um, George? I know you touched on it, but what's the plot of Silver Streak? Because we're kind of running out of time. Well, the plot of Silver Streak is Gene Wilder gets caught up in this um, uh, crime where the the character played by Patrick McGowan has perpetrated a great art fraud. and. Yes. He's trying to prevent from being exposed. And so all these murder, he, uh, Patrick McGowan is committing these, he and his henchmen committing these murders and poor hapless Gene Wilder. He's fallen in love with Joel Clayburgh. He keeps getting thrown off the train and he keeps coming back and Richard Pryor helps him. Right. And, and this all leads to a very stunning climax. But I just want to tell you in the seventies disasters movies were very yes. big. Yes. And and I wanted Georgia to revisit the plot because I just want to, you know, McGowan was a terrorist. And this guy was doing things to cover. He would have collateral damage to cover up of the most trivial thing that he was. So I just wanted to touch on that because nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And it's just eerie how things stay the same. But George, I like how you touched on a disaster because I don't want to give it away. Now, uh, this was not free as you have to, buy it on the streaming platforms um and it it was not not costly at all it was a good deal but um 
that ending scene, and we I don't want to give it away, that was, do you know how they did that ending scene, the climax? Uh, yeah, I do in a way know how they did it. Um, it was, uh, they had all these studio shots in different places where they did slow motion of okay. that. Mm -hmm. And, but it is incredibly realistic it the way is. they did it. It, it's it's stunning. It, even in this day where we're sophisticated, 47, 48 years later, yes. with all of our, you know, CGI and, and technical abilities, this is still a very rousing. It's huge. Yes. It's it's <laughs> you. It's big the way they do it. It's very successfully done. Yes, and we're not going to give it away, but check it out if if you want some Hitchcockian. Uh, uh, shots and, and scenes with great comedy like comedy from not over the top comedy from Richard is not vulgar or anything like that Richard Pryor he was so underrated as an actor I'm glad you said that he really and he did drama um oh gosh what's the name of this this movie where he came back from Vietnam and he was working in a factory of course I can't remember but if you know let us know in the comments I'm gonna stop right here George I'm gonna give you the last word well, you know that scene that you had just posted with Richard Pryor and he's dressed as a porter? Mm -hmm. That scene that Richard Pryor does, I was on the floor. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. That line he says, oh, my God. And what he says to Jill Clinton, oh, I, I was laughing. Oh, my, you have to, oh, my God. I love that scene in the movie. That, and, of course, there's a very famous scene where, mm -hmm. let's just say Richard Pryor tries to, pass off Gene Wilder's black and I'm just gonna and the reason it works is because it's making fun of white people <laughs> and it's so <laughs> I'm so glad you said that not that it's that, making fun of white people and that's why it works so people should not be offended right. when they see it right there there's it's done in such a skillful way yes it, yes it's it's outrageously funny, but it taps into these gross stereotypes about race. Yes. But it works on all levels, and it's not offensive. It's very playful. It's very telling. Well, let me so just... watch it with an open mind and just appreciate it. You couldn't do this scene nowadays, but yes, you right. got to watch that. And let me just say this, and when I say that, that you're right, Noah's, I'm not for making fun of white people or or anybody maliciously. I'm not for that. If it's comedy, is comedy. I don't funny is funny. I don't care. Who is doing it? But let me just say this, because you are not going to try to make this podcast controversial by anything we said here. If you want to be offended, you could be offended by Hello Kitty. Okay? You can take a teddy bear, the cutest one, and be offended. But what what I, I and I'm not putting words in Georgia's mouth, what I am, I just said what I just said. It was and she had the right context, and that's what how the the scene was. It's the scene, like she said, where he's trying to pass him off as black, and it was to me tastefully done. Me and my family saw this years ago. None of us were like, oh, this is this is terrible. We'll never look at this. No one had a problem with this, and I and I allude. I was going to pull up Tropic Thunder, another scene you could not do today with um, Robert Downey Jr. And again, it was. In the you gotta look at the context. It was making fun of white people and the and the caricature that they think black people are. Um and it was it was hilarious. So, you know, when Georgia said it wasn't offensive, like I said, don't try to turn that around and make that be something. No, it was comedy. 
And if it was the other way, look, we saw this with white girls when the Wayans brothers did it. Unfortunately, these movies couldn't be done now because people are so highly sensitive over over what my opinion is just straight up comedy. You know, and I think comedy was so beautiful about comedy, George, in my opinion, when it's done correctly, it is it should be an equal opportunity offender, if you will. Or, or, or nothing's off the table. And if you are offended by it, then don't watch it. Don't look at it. But censoring people and trying to get it shut down, I am against that. I don't care if it's funny, it's funny. And that's all I got to say about that. So, George, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I just want to make that clear. No, I I appreciate everything you said, Moya. It was spot on. And uh, I just want to say, you know, y'all, if you just want to have like a fun time and yes. have a lot of laughs, these are great popcorn movies for yes. like a rainy day or a, a Sunday afternoon. So go check them out. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Uptown Saturday Night is free on YouTube and Silver Street. Uh, you have to pay for it. It was about $4 on other streaming platforms. Well, guys, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know we ran a little bit over, but we, we had a double feature. We haven't done that in a while. So thank you for supporting us. Shout out to our YouTube family and friends. Family and friends. Well, yeah, we're family and friends in cinema. Our supporters, I should say, and followers, and our, of course, our Facebook and all of our OG listeners on our audio podcast. Guys, we do this for you. We enjoy just giving you all this fun stuff. So I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And we don't have our next set of movies yet. We're So be go to our Facebook page um, and, and check out coming attractions. We trying to figure that out. I'm sorry. We've been doing so good by scheduling stuff ahead, but we will have that out for you soon. We'll have it out next week. So take care. This is How Betty Davis Saved My Life. Life lessons from classic Hollywood. We cannot wait to see you guys next time. Take care.